Hi friends, it's Pastor Drew Wilkerson from Bridgewater Church. Hey, thanks for stopping by this podcast. It's our prayer that as you listen, God will speak to your heart and you will feel inspired and you'll learn new things that will help you in your daily walk with God and just in life in general. So again, thanks for stopping by and thanks for listening. Well, good morning, Bridgewater Church. We're so glad that you are joining us online. What a wonderful family that you are as we celebrate together and dig deep in week number two as we read through what David says in Psalm 23. Don't don't you love Psalm 23? I mean, it is an incredible six verses that brings comfort and inspiration David writes with courage, but he also gives us insights that relate to us thousands of years later. It's such an ancient psalm, but still so relevant to each of our lives. And so, last week, I think we had a really good start as we tackled the beginning of the psalm in verses 1 through the beginning of verse 3. And if you remember, David is sharing five unforgettable truths. The first truth that we found last week was simply this. The good shepherd refreshes me. But I want to go even deeper. And we're going to do this by taking a look at just the last line of verse 3. In fact, let's just get caught up by beginning in verse 1 and reading through all of verse 3 together. There at home, now remember I said together, so read it with me. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Now let's read that again, because that's where we're going to camp out this morning. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. The second truth that David will reveal to us this morning is this. The good shepherd refines me. The good shepherd refines me. As I look at this passage of scripture, there are two significant words that stand out in this one line in verse 3. The first is this. The good shepherd guides me. When I think about the word guide, I have to look at what the Hebrew says. And if I unpack that Hebrew word, it not only means to guide, but it means that I allow the shepherd to lead me. And specifically, if we're looking at the entire word picture, it means that the good shepherd guides or leads me in paths of his blessings. How about it? Don't you want God's blessings in your life? I want God's blessings in my life. And I love that, that David is saying, the good shepherd leads me in paths of blessing I don't even know about. But God wants to give us those blessings if we'll trust him. And that leads to the next significant word. It's the word righteousness. But I like the Hebrew definition. It actually means right paths. 
Not only does God lead me down paths of blessings, but if I'm going to be blessed by God, I have to walk the right paths. Have you ever gotten off the wrong uh, path? Have you ever gone the wrong way? Or have you ever followed your GPS and ended up in the wrong place? If you have, and I'm sure you have, then you're understanding what David is saying. Don't forget, many scholars believe that David is being chased by his son Absalom. He had to run from Jerusalem and leave the kingdom that he had been overseeing. And now he stops by lush green pastures. He's found a stream to find quiet waters. He says, as the good shepherd leads me, I lack nothing. And this is the reason. The good shepherd is refining his steps even in the midst of his struggles. In fact, there's something that comes to mind that I realize. I can relate to David, and I think you can too, because none of us are perfect. David got himself into trouble with his oldest son, Absalom. David has found himself in a place where he's losing his kingdom, maybe, maybe even losing his mind. But you know what? He stops and he says, I know that the Lord is my shepherd, and I'm going to begin to focus on God as never before because he's never led me down the wrong path. He's allowed me to stay focused on him, and as I look at, at the good shepherd, as I let the good shepherd lead, I know that paths of blessing will come. The problem is this. We can all be incredibly stubborn. Remember, we talked about this last week. Sheep are not the most intelligent animals in the world. And I'm not trying to be critical at all when I say this, but aren't we like sheep at times where we're stubborn? We want to go our own way. I came across a story from Beulah Thomas. Beulah Thomas grew up in the early years of the last century. She grew up on the Colorado prairie, and there was a, a moment in her life that she never forgot as a child. There was a knock at the door, and a Mr. Woods came stumbling into their home. Her mom and dad welcomed him in because a blizzard had begun to rage outside. The man was cold to the bone. They were concerned that he would be frostbitten in his hands and his feet, and as Mr. and Mrs. Thomas began to uh, massage his hands and his feet and try to warm him up from the inside out. He told this incredible story. He said, I didn't realize it, but this blizzard hit so suddenly and I was out with my flock of sheep. I tried desperately to get them into a hollow that I had found. I thought, if I can just get the sheep into the hollow, their breath and my breath, our warmth huddled together, will keep us safe until the storm passes. But he said there was a problem. The lead sheep bolted. He ran, and believe this or not, he dove into a snowbank. All the sheep followed the lead sheep, not the shepherd. And they perished. As he was trying to get warm, he said, I've lost everything, but when the storm passes, even though coyotes will 
take care of the meat. I'll come back and find the skins and take their wool. And in that moment, etched in the mind of the three Thomas children was a story they would never forget. Mrs. Thomas, being the wise mom that she was, pulled out Psalm 23 later, and she read it to her children. And she said something that I'm putting on the screen for us this morning that sets the stage for this message. Mrs. Thomas wrote, Some people are stubborn and refuse to follow Christ and are lost forever. But Jesus can lead his sheep to eternal safety. It was on that day that Beulah and her sister Pearl invited Jesus to be the good shepherd of their lives, even as young children. I want to do something this morning. You're thinking, Pastor, how can we stay in one line, one phrase, for the next few minutes? And this is the one time in the psalm that uniquely we need to go and look at how David wrote three other psalms. And we need to understand what David was actually thinking. And we need to do that by allowing what one scholar, one teacher taught me years ago in school, that the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible itself. And so I want to pull three significant psalms where David writes using the same kind of language that we find in Psalm 23 in that last part of verse 3. There are three distinct ways that the good shepherd wants to refine us, and we need to begin in Psalm 31, 1 through 5. David writes, In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me. Come quickly to my rescue. Be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. Since you are my rock and my fortress, for the sake of your name, lead and guide me. Keep me free from the trap that is set for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Deliver me, Lord, my faithful God. Here's the first way that the good shepherd needs to refine us. The good shepherd refines my steps. Now don't forget that in Psalm 23.3, David had written, he guides me along the right paths for his namesake. What is he saying? He's saying, I have to let the good shepherd guide my steps. I have to be willing to give up my own stubborn will, even in the moments where I'm anxious or afraid, or I think I know the best way to go. I have to allow the good shepherd to lead me and to guide me. Now, in this psalm particularly, some academics believe that he was, David was running from King Saul because he had been anointed king. We remember that from last week. We read that passage where Samuel the prophet had anointed David, but David hadn't taken over the kingdom. In fact, David actually served Saul by playing the lyre, by waiting for his moment when God would literally crown him king. And this is why David, in this prayer, in this psalm, actually says, God, you are my rock and my fortress. In fact, did you literally hear the same wording 
in this psalm as we did in Psalm 23.3. He writes, Since you are my rock and my fortress, for the sake of your name, lead and guide me. There it is. It's the same exact Hebrew wording. And it's our first insight. The good shepherd has to refine my steps. See, it takes courage right now as you're listening to this message. It takes courage to pray what David asked of God. Regardless of the steps that I want to take, are we willing to ask the question, God, are you pleased with my steps? God, am I walking in righteousness? Do other people see my life in a way that I'm living for you? I love the story about the police officer who stopped somebody who was fulfilling a, a moment of road rage. It just so happened that the police officer was behind the guy, and the guy didn't even realize it. And the guy was flipping somebody off. He had his window down. He could hear him cussing and screaming. And so the officer got out of the car. And he went and he, 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 had his, he was ready to pull out his weapon if needed. And he, he gently said, uh, Sir, he said, will you please step out of the car? And he searched him. And he began to take great caution because the man was so angry. And then when the man finally was able to give him his license and registration, the police officer said, I'm so sorry for the mistake. I realize it is your car. But he said, when I pulled up behind your car, you were blowing the horn. You were flipping a guy off. You were cussing a blue streak. And I noticed that you had choose life in your license plate. He said, I saw your bumper sticker. What would Jesus do? And I saw the fish emblem on your car. He said, I just assumed you stole it. Hey, come on. Isn't that really what we see here with David? Actions speak louder than words. And when I think about what David wrote in the psalm, David said, good shepherd, I'm giving you permission to order my steps, to lead me and to guide me in paths of righteousness. If we're not careful, we're going to read Psalm 23 like it's a simple poem that's beautiful, that's meant to be read in difficult times like the loss of a loved one, and we're going to miss what David's writing. David is actually saying, stop what you're doing, think about it, stop being so stubborn in the things that are going on in your life, and truly decide even when you're afraid and anxious and angry, decide to put your trust in the rock and the fortress of the good shepherd. Let God lead your steps. And this is mind-blowing to me. David wrote in verse 5 of this beautiful psalm, he says, into your hands I commit my spirit. Deliver me, Lord, my faithful God. Do you recognize those words? Of all the words that Jesus could have chosen to say on the cross, he chooses to quote the words that he gave to David. Oh, don't forget, Jesus is the word of God. Can I read this out of Luke 23, 44? through 47. It was now about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. 
for the sun stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. Wow. Do you see it come together? Psalm 23. The good shepherd now is saying that he was giving his steps over to God the Father. Jesus was allowing God the Father to order his steps to die on the cross. This isn't just a psalm of David. This is the psalm of the Messiah who came to die for our sins and set us free. And then the centurion, the Roman guard, saw it and said, surely this man is righteous and he praised God. Do you remember Psalm 23, 3? Lead me, guide me in paths of righteousness for your name's sake, O God. Can I just simply say this? If, if Jesus let God the Father order his steps and refine his steps, if David knew that the good shepherd, God, needed to refine his steps, isn't that what we need as well? Are we willing to let the good shepherd lead us and guide us in paths of righteousness. But I want to bring another psalm to your mind. I want to go to Psalm 43 because in Psalm 43, 1 through 5, David gives us an insight that's crucial if we're literally going to let God order our steps. Let's look at the passage together. Vindicate me, my God, and plead my cause against an unfaithful nation Rescue me from those who are deceitful and wicked. You are my God, my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? Send me your light and your faithful care. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my joy and my delight. I will praise you with the lyre. O oh God, my God. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Here's the next insight. The good shepherd refines my attitude. Scholars debate this. Was, was David struggling with, with Saul? Was this when he was getting ready to become king and Saul was trying to kill him? Or again, was this Absalom chasing him? Was this a young David who wrote this psalm or an older David? Actually, to be honest, it doesn't matter. Because what I see in this is David having a strong talk with God and with himself. Do you ever do that? Do you ever really have an argument with yourself as you're praying to God? I do. I know it sounds a little off. I, it's not, I don't hear voices. I'm, I'm just saying I, I can struggle with my own self-talk while I'm praying to God because my attitude needs refined. 
See, here's the issue. David is saying, my life isn't fair. Think about the words he used. He said, I'm mourning. I'm depressed. I'm oppressed. I'm downcast. Oh, soul, why are you disturbed? Well, David's disturbed because he needs answers that he doesn't have. And are you ready for this? He has to wait on God. While we wait on God, one of the greatest struggles that we have is with ourselves. It's with our own attitude. Because we think life isn't fair. Man, I remember that. I feel for some of you younger parents today trying to figure out how you're going to navigate technology with your kids. Um, it was a little easier for me. Smartphones had just come out. Texting was becoming the big thing when my three millennials were younger. And I can remember my oldest, Melissa, didn't get her cell phone till the first year of college. But that brought about a change in my own thinking process because then my son Matthew got a phone his junior year of high school. Well, what really ticked off the other two was that when Matt left for college, we had a, a gap with our youngest, with Mary. And in eighth grade, dear Lord, she got her own cell phone. Here's what I heard from the oldest. Well, that's not fair. Why did she get the phone first? And Dad, you let her text. What were you thinking? Listen, life is unfair, isn't it? I mean... Life is unfair, and sometimes it's real. We think this isn't how our lives should be. But oftentimes, life is unfair because we've made it that way. That's actually what had happened in David's life. This is why, in the midst of very difficult circumstances, David writes in Psalm 43, verse 3, let me read it again to you. Send me your light and your faithful care. Now pay close attention to this. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. There it is again, Psalm 23, 3. He's saying, in the midst of my struggles, and in the midst of my, my poor attitude, God, send your light and faithful care. Don't leave me to myself. Let your faithful care lead me and guide me. Same word. And then he pictures coming back into Jerusalem to the holy mountain of God. He guides me along right paths for his name's sake. Can you hear the shift taking place as David prays? He asked the good shepherd to lead him back to Jerusalem, the holy mountain. He said, once again, I want to come into the presence of God and worship he said, I picture myself with my lyre, singing praise to you, these psalms that I've written. I want to give you glory and honor, God. Even though he's struggling, he's not struggling with a pit of despair. He realizes that he's tempted to blame other people and the circumstances that he's in, but he stops. He begins to shift, and he says, Good shepherd, Refine my attitude. My attitude. Listen, friends. Stop thinking that the problem with the entire world around you is everybody else. We have to start with us. We have to start with our own attitudes. 
This is why I've been reading this insight from Pastor Chuck Swindoll for years. Let me read it for you. The longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than facts. It's more important than the past, the education, the money, than circumstances, than failure, than successes, than what other people think or say or do. It's more important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, a home. The remarkable thing is we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on the one string we have, and that is our attitude. I am convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% of how I react to it. And so it is with you. We are in charge of our attitudes. Let me ask you, who have you given authority to for your attitude? When you think about what's going on in your mind, are you focused on what God wants you to do? Are you walking with the good shepherd down paths of blessing and right living? Life is unfair. It may seem very unfair to you right now. Perhaps you have found yourself as a single mom or dad. Perhaps your child is going through a deep valley and health issues are a problem when they come to all of us. But the good shepherd knows you. He wants you to know him. You see, that's what happens with pain, struggles, and suffering. It opens the door for us to go deeper with God. That's what had happened to David. But the key is that we choose to put our trust in the good shepherd and let him refine our attitude, our mindset, our way of thinking. Because see, God has a plan for you. God has a plan to prosper you and not to harm you. God has a plan to give you a hope and a future. And regardless of what we're going through right now, and there's no way anyone could really know all the struggles that you're having except for God. And so whatever you're going through, you have a choice right now to pray and seek God and say, I want to give my whole mind to you. Renew my mind and help my attitude to be pleasing to you, God. And then watch how the good shepherd will lead you guide you on the right path. But there's one more insight that we need because David truly knows that he can be a sinful man. See, honesty is important for all of us. And Psalm 139 verses 23 through 24 are two verses that can be life-changing. They certainly were for David. He writes, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. Now here it is, Psalm 23, 3 again. And lead me in the way everlasting. Did you see it? 
Let me just read it again. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. David knows that if the good shepherd is going to guide us along the right paths for his namesake, our hearts must belong completely to Him. Have you ever struggled giving your whole heart to God? Are you like me? Sometimes I just want to hold on to a piece of it for myself. I just want to hold on to the thoughts or the way that I act and just say, well, that's just me. If you've ever struggled giving your whole heart to God, you're in good company with David. David struggled. I think this is one of the most incredible psalms because if we were to back up to verses 21 and 22, I didn't read those, but let me give you this insight. Here's what he actually was saying. I have nothing but hatred, God, for those who hate you, Lord. Wow. Wow. I mean, I'm thinking, David, man, you, you fluctuate so to, to such extremes. One minute, you're hating on the haters. Well, we live in a world like that, don't we? But then the next minute he's writing, oh God, search my heart. Do you know why he's being honest? It's, I, I, don't, I don't think he's passive aggressive. I think what David is really doing is giving us a glimpse into our own lives. There are times that we are angry and upset and we need someone to blame and make it sound like it's righteous. I'm right, God. I'm hating the haters who hate you. I have to turn over to Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 45. The good shepherd Jesus redefines this kind of thinking when he told us, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Can we, can we just stop and give David a break for just a minute? David had a glimpse of the coming Messiah. I really believe that in his heart. He, he knew the Messiah would come through his line, the line of David. But David didn't have a personal relationship with the good shepherd Jesus the way that you and I can. And that's why we see this fluctuation with him. Even though David didn't have the joy of experiencing the incarnation of Christ, God was still speaking to his heart. And even though he's full of this anger and frustration, all of a sudden, near the end of the psalm, look at what he does. He says, search me. God, know my heart. Test my anxious thoughts. God, see if there is any offensive way in me. That The actual Hebrew deep definition is, David says, Wherever you see wickedness in me, lead me in the way everlasting. With bold humility, David prays, Lord God, lead me, guide me down paths of righteousness. And I realize that if I struggle with that, are you ready for this, church? It's my own fault. Can I just remind everybody that's listening? We're all sinners who need grace. 
Anybody thankful for grace? Anybody thankful that the good shepherd knows that his sheep don't do what they're supposed to do at times? They don't think the way they're supposed to think. Their steps aren't the right steps. Their attitudes are faulty, flawed. Anybody thankful that the good shepherd searches us and knows us? And even though he sees the worst in us, we can trust the good shepherd Jesus with our lives if we're willing to stop being so stubborn and follow in the footsteps of Christ. That's what David is saying here. In fact, can I just read this from the message? I, verse 3 is so important. Investigate my life, O God. Find out everything about me. Cross-examine and test me. Get a clear picture of what I'm about. See for yourself whether I've done anything wrong. Then guide me on the road to eternal life. Let me just read it again. This is David. This is David speaking to us in Psalm 139. Investigate my life, O God. Find out everything about me. Cross-examine and test me. Get a clear picture of what I'm about. See for yourself whether I've done anything wrong. Then guide me on the road. Lead me in paths of righteousness to eternal life. I try to share this story at least once a year. And if you ever get tired of it, just will you give me some grace? Because I need it. I need it in my own life. And if you've never heard it, it's always worth hearing. It comes from Corey Ten Boom, a wonderful woman who, as a Christian, because she and her family helped Jews, she was thrown into a Nazi Germany concentration camp. Her sister Betsy died there. But she went on to live, and she had an incredible ministry to people throughout her life that started just in her 50s but it went on until God called her home. She writes about a moment years after her concentration camp experience when after speaking, one of the most cruel German guards that she had met in the camp, who had jeered at them, visually raped them in the delousing shower, all of a sudden, he was standing before her at the end of her talk, she writes, I didn't know what to do. There he stood with outstretched hand and said, will you forgive me? I stood there cold, clutching my heart, but I knew that the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart, she writes. I prayed, Jesus, help me. Woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one that was stretched out to me, and I experienced an incredible thing. The current started in my shoulder, raced down into my arms, and sprang into our clutched hands. 
Then this warm reconciliation seemed to flood my whole being. It brought tears to my eyes, and I found myself saying, I forgive you, brother. For a long moment, we just stood there and grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I've never known the love of God so intensely as I did in that moment, and I realized to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. The good shepherd refines my heart. That's the third insight that David wants us to understand. The Lord is my shepherd. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. But we have to let the good shepherd refine our steps. We have to let the good shepherd refine our attitude. And most of all, we have to let the good shepherd refine our hearts again and again and again. What's the condition of your heart? Are you... Are you putting all of your faith and your trust in God? And I really want to call this out. This morning, are you angry? Are you frustrated? Are you trying to blame somebody? Are you working through a difficult health issue? Uh, are your kids uh, off the path that you raised them to be on? What, what, what are the struggles that you're going through? Are you trusting the good shepherd, Jesus, to lead you? You can. You can right now. But you have a choice. I have a choice. Not only does the Good Shepherd want to refresh us, the Good Shepherd wants to refine us. And that can be difficult. But don't forget, He wants to lead us and guide us down paths of blessing if we'll trust Him. So here's what I want to do. To close this morning, I've written a prayer for us and I want you to keep your eyes open. I want you to look at your screen. And I want us to pray this together as we focus all of our thoughts on the Good Shepherd. Let's do that. Great and Good Shepherd, I invite you to guide me down the paths you marked out for me. I ask that you refine my steps, my attitude, and my heart. Please, Jesus, do not leave me to make my own choices. Lead me to walk in your footsteps along your paths, and I will ever praise your name. Amen. That's my prayer for all of us today, that we would let God refine us. That the good shepherd who knows the best way for us to go would lead us in paths of blessings. He'll guide us to walk in right steps along the path he has set out for us. And just remember, you're not alone. If you need help, reach out right now. Someone's online to chat with you. You don't have to do this life alone. If you're struggling, ask somebody to pray for you. Let us know how we can help because we love you so much. And we're going to keep digging deeper into this psalm because the good shepherd wants to lead us. I love you so much, and until we see each other again soon, take heart and be transformed. Hey friends, thanks for listening. And if you want to be a part of our eFamily, 
then all you have to do to join us is click the link below and you can check us out on our YouTube page. You can also join us on social media. And if you'd like to support the ministry, then just click the link to give. We're so grateful for all of our partners and together we can do more than we can alone. So again, thanks to all of you for listening to this podcast and also thank you for helping us reach people around the world for Jesus Christ.